poets and intellectuals of this time. The innovative minds. The intelligentsia. Those that are breaking down the barriers and choosing a bohemian existence, escaping from dreary suburban ideals and materialistic death traps. Where are these engaging people? The risk takers. The revolutionaries. Those living apart from this big unrest. Those escaping the sterility of corporate junkies who get high on materialistic consumption. Welcome to the Bohemian Beat. We will journey beyond the horizon and find the artists living on the edge, going down into the murky waters of their very existence, where these brave souls have re-emerged with art that is challenging, original and brutal. You have tuned into the Bohemian Beat. I'm ready, with you until the end of the hour. Today, we will be delving into the subject of an important topic most recently brought to light by the extension of the Me Too movement by prominent Hollywood actresses. The Me Too movement, or hashtag MeToo on social media, has dramatically revealed the prevalence of sexual assault and harassment, particularly in the workplace. On today's show, we will be hearing from leading artists and innovators in the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales, the Bohemian region of Australia, where we recently recorded a women's discussion panel at SAE Studios in Byron Bay. But first, let's settle in with some music.
A Beautiful Woman by Deridorenia. The hashtag MeToo movement has activated women across North America, Asia, Europe, India, the Middle East, South America, everywhere to share their stories of sexual harassment and begin a conversation. In Australia, one of the difficulties facing victims to come forward are the strict defamation laws. An article in The Age suggests This is why the movement has not had the same traction compared to other countries like the US. However, despite the risks, brave women are coming forward and are having an impact as more and more people are being awakened to this fourth wave feminist movement, a continuation of the third wave that occurred in the early 1990s. And this current wave is largely defined by the use of social media in its power to connect people and expose the immensity of the problem. The discussion panel includes Laura Shaw, poet and founder of Dangerously Poetic Press, Mandy Nolan, comedian, journalist, a pioneer of regional comedy, Lois Cook, senior law Nyangabal woman, community developer, artist and performer, Gian, singer-songwriter and poet, Bridget Ninas, producer, artist, also whistleblower and former producer of Burke's Backyard. Welcome ladies. On today's discussion panel, we have Lois Cook, senior law Nyangabal woman, also known as Jagunabang, pelican mother. Gian, a singer-songwriter and poet. Bridget Ninas, whistleblower and former producer for Burke's Backyard. Mandy Nolan, comedian, author, journalist, speaker, teacher. Laura Shaw, award-winning poet and founder of Dangerously Poetic Press. Welcome, ladies, to the Bohemian Beat. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. First of all, I'd like to start with Mandy. Now, this article, pretty useless, from Echo Net Daily, what you wrote that really just resonated with me was um, where you where you say here when a lady approaches you and you said, she actually said, don't take away my right to be beautiful. And your response was, wow. Now, that's a classic slave mindset. It's not a right, it's a prison. Wow, that's deep. thought we were starting with something light. Well, and I actually think it is, like, to me that is, it was such a weird thing to say that it, there's this assumption that, and as women, that what you look like, that your prettiness, that you're measured, oh, she's, your attractiveness is, is such an intrinsic value 
um, to who you are in, and I'm talking very much in Western white woman culture. Um, I won't speak on behalf of, of Lois's, you know, experience, but that's, that's a huge part of growing up and it's seen as an achievement, like as a positive, and, and there's all this, this stuff that shows that women who are, are attractive get more, um, you know, get further in the workplace, that you're given more advantage. And this sense that, that we have to cling on to this because that's the meaning, that that's so, um, I suppose, indicative of who we are. And I think as you get older and you slip away from from the from realizing that is a is a coherent or even necessary definition you start to see behind it and you see how limiting that is and it is like a prison it kind of keeps you shackled particularly when you even look at i mean i was actually looking up how much time women spend getting dressed you know three times as much as many lost lost hours dead hours you could be doing something you could be outside in your garden you could be with your family you could be sleeping you could be reading a book you could be changing the system you could be doing stuff but you're making yourself presentable and to do that it's this kind of intention that are we so hideous <laughs> that we yeah. must be yeah and that's that whole thing about i think there's a really huge thing about if you say the the the, the earth is like mother nature that sense of the idea that it's not enough that we must develop we must tear apart we must fashion it into something that's not natural that's not she said with mm you know, with bleach blonde hair. Let's not forget I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> bleach blonde hair. Well, I think you've got to see because it's deeply conditioned and into it. And I was I was um just so shocked when that woman said when she actually said that my right to be beautiful, I was going, I think there's a lot of rights. I don't remember saying the right to be beautiful. <laughs> I'm actually gonna fight for my right to be ugly. Because <laughs> that's that's powerful. It's yeah, kind of yeah. it, it in yeah, it, we're not whenever that's I've right. been trolled by people and it's been, you know, quite often when I say anything, yeah. they'll go, You're fat and yeah. you're ugly. That's right. And it's mm. kind of like, and I, I don't even respond to that. Like, I don't mm. care, you can call me fat and ugly, mm. that's mm. fine. Mm. But what they're inferring is fat, ugly women don't have a right to a voice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that's I'm right. like, whoa. Yep. <laughs> we'll just open this to the floor. Laura. Oh, I'm just totally agreeing with that. I'm just, absolutely. It's weird, isn't <laughs> the it? slave it's, mentality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that we are totally identified by how we look and our value is completely and and where does it stop like you know where does this stop like I was watching television just recently something that I don't often do and you know um the the women they were virtually unrecognizable they were all pumped up their lips were all completely pumped up that were in a you know really really um false way it was all unnatural the you know skin the no expression on the face I mean these are the things that I love about human beings, you know, that this is what makes someone beautiful. Well, yeah, it's like being ashamed of becoming an elder That's in right. your own, like yeah. a woman and being older. Is that mm. you? They all look the same. They all start to get that weird. Joan Rivers. Uh, that Joan Rivers. Yeah. Like Colin Rivers. Colin Rivers. I saw it. Yeah. I, I was at my mother's and I never, I don't have a TV, but she's got a big TV and I was like, oh, and it was like Kylie had died because she turned 50. Yeah. And there she was, so pumped. And it was I like, know, a, it was like yeah. a sort it's of a sad weird, It's a sad thing. Of, you know, you've turned 50, you poor thing. Because she was acting as if it's all over. And I just sat there and went, this is just so fucked. If they're your values, yeah. and if that's what you've believed about your value, then I guess it is over. Yeah. You but, know, because that being valued as a young, beautiful woman, yes. seeing that, your sexuality yeah. and the fact... 
and the and submissive all the gay thing. Icon that well, it's also being got. about people looking at you and desiring you of, yeah. of, of that, yeah. and not stepping into your power yeah. and being an active. I think it's really about that thing about, oh, I'm beautiful, see me, aren't I gorgeous, tell me I'm amazing, isn't that incredible? But no one believes it. It's an abyss of self-doubt, self-loathing and hatred. It's why women get eating disorders. It's why they self-harm. It's why it, it, I think it keeps us really disempowered. They're trying to get out of that prison. Yeah. What do you think, Lois? Well, um, I never really had to deal with it. Uh, I suppose when I was young, if I put on makeup, I was called a cosmetic cowgirl. <laughs> <laughs> And then I look at myself and say, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. just make sure you wear natural products, don't use any chemical mm. product, and you'll be okay. And, and so I thought to myself, I'll, I'll get away with that, you know, um, just wearing products that were, were made, you know, yeah, water-based and things like that. Mm. But as for being beautiful, I suppose I never really saw myself as being beautiful. Um, being an Aboriginal woman, I think we, we come from a different culture, you know, uh, the stigmas associated with Aboriginal women. Um, it's very daunting being growing up in that time. Yes. You know, I, I guess today even, you know, a lot of the Aboriginal girls, they won't look at you. Mm. They look down. It's all about that, you know, shame of their identity. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah and too. It, it is, isn't it, as a woman, about how we're looked at and how we look out. Yeah. Mm. But I just yeah. noticed that stuff, you know, uh, yeah, growing course. up, you know, uh, being part of that inkwell, you know, what's going on with Indigenous people in Australia. Um, yeah, I suppose that sometimes I did feel beautiful. My parents always made me feel beautiful. Um, yes, I've done modelling, I've done film, all those sort of Dancing. things, even knowing. Mm. And, but I was, you know, one of those people that was groundbreaking, always groundbreaking. Mm. Everything I do is movement. And because I carry myself in that capacity, I don't have time to think about myself as beautiful or anything. I, I just see myself as myself. And sometimes I say, oh, you could use a little bit of a touch-up here <laughs> there. Remember, you're going to do a film. So um, do something about, maybe find your best side. Okay. <laughs> okay, Bridget, I'm just going to come back to you here. There was a discussion prior when we were talking about looking beyond the gender divides that um, lead us to this problem of patriarchal domination. And you're mentioning about enablers that really it's, it's time that they need to be held to account because within this system mm. of this patriarchy in which we're, we're sort of trying to move forward. So you made a really interesting comment about that, so I'm just handing it over to you. Well, you know, um, because I've experienced um, this obviously at such a deep level, I've got my own, um, you, you know, I've got deep experience of how the enablers facilitate things and I think rather than going into my own story at the moment I think it's all starting to come out around this Weinstein uh, who was the catalyst for everything and you know um, it was revealed just recently that um, Dylan Howard the Australian journalist who was you know sacked from Channel 7 years ago and went over to Hollywood and made his name over there working for Weinstein and the kinds of things that he was doing, um, I certainly experienced all of those. And that was, you know, just, um, you know, the enablers, what they do is they, you know, they gather around the perpetrator and, um, you know, and co colleagues, their colleagues, and they set up false meeting, you know, meetings under false pretenses and then they, teams of lawyers and publicists 
uh, publicists suppress complaints. So if you know that that's happening, and that's what's so interesting about this Weinstein situation, because actually, you know, if that's the if that's the pinnacle, if that's the top, you have to know that this is happening at all levels, and mm. I can confirm that it's happening at, at my level. So what we're looking at is really um, we've got multi layers of corruption. Multi of, of multi that, layers of um, corruption. Of the enablers working together, and there's a lot of studies that are showing that these networks. Um, that are happening well it's not and it's not necessarily a gender issue at this level either you know and that's the one thing that you know as a feminist I had to come to terms with as well that um, you know in my specific case uh, there were a lot of women involved Mm -hmm. and you know they get paid to uh, dig up dirt or to make up stories about you so that court cases get thrown out and and all of that kind of stuff. And that's now when we're starting to talk about, you know, um, the tyranny and the uh, all of those kind of things that are that are happening the um, within within this situation that allow it to happen. It's not necessarily gender at this level. Mm, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I guess, you know, um, growing up as a uh, community developer, I started that when I was about 26, and um, I'd get a lot of major projects going for our community, and as soon as I got them online, got the money, got it going, the men would, would, would want to come in and they'd use all these avenues, and uh, I think I called it community burnout in the end, and, and then they'd step in, and they'd mess up the project. Once it's messed up, they call me back in again to go and sort it out, which is, you know, ridiculous that, you know, they'd go and let me go in the first place to please someone else, and then when they couldn't do the job, call me back in to go and fix it up. Yeah. And, and I'd done that about two or three times for our community. Mm. I rebuilt the Aboriginal community at Cabbage Trail, infrastructure, replaced all their houses. Um, I get so far and they, you go through the community burnout again because another organisation or something like that wants to control it because they want to make money out of the project. When the project that I was, I was working on were, was to give them housing that would last them a lifetime. And they ended up with throw away, throw away houses. The first six houses I built, structurally sound, will last them for the rest of their life. But the rest of them was built by that other company, the Aboriginal Corporation who came in to do traineeships, yes, using all those sort of avenues, uh, look after this one, and, and it's mainly looking after the men, giving them apprenticeships, etc., etc. Not Nothing there facilitated for the women other than maybe an extra person doing payrolls in the office. And then they used low-budget materials, which wasn't what I budgeted for. I budgeted for stronger materials, and they used this low-budget stuff to go and build these houses, and now they've got to go back and spend another forty or $50,000 on them to make them stable. Mm-hmm. And it's usually um, very, very um, simple jobs that need to be done, but because of the antagonism of going through community meetings, uh, through the board of directors of the land council who own the buildings in the first place, their structure, their uh, ministerial response structure to the people is just not adequate and they can't seem to do things on time. Whereas a community, I really felt that the community themselves at Cabbage Island could have had a meeting and sorted this out themselves and just given them the paperwork. Not a GD woman, 
And when they took us all away, they prayed for us, not stray, and they prayed upon our muslin while we were locked away. to the Bohemian Beat, broadcasting nationally since 2007 across the community radio network. We just heard Ruby Hunter with Nagarini Woman. And before that, a gathering of Bohemians discussing important topics affecting women worldwide with senior law Nyangabal woman Lois Cook, whistleblower Bridget Ninas, comedian Mandy Nolan, poet Laura Shaw, and singer-songwriter Guyane. And let's continue with more of our recent discussion panel. Mandy, you've been in the firing line, um, standing up, making comments about about feminism and, and things like that. You do get to do, do you that. Do you know standing up is different? Like when I'm performing in front of people, it, it's different because they're more responsive. It's interesting. People are cowards. And mm. when you face people up there... They mightn't like you, but they'll just slink off home and they go, I hate that woman. She's such a big mouth, smart ass. I don't care. They've got got a right to hate me as much as they have to love me. I don't care. Um, And I've got no problem with people. I find it quite amusing what people will say sometimes. And you go, oh, that was revealing. (laughs) I mean, and you kind of go, like, you don't want, you know, people will say things like, you, who'd want to rape you? And you go, oh, I didn't know that was on the bucket list. (laughs) But you go, that's not revealing about me. That's revealing about a mindset. You go, you're doing your own work, mate. You're you're digging your own, um, you know, hole there. But 
It's funny how, but you get more virulent. When you write things, I've found that the written word mm. has much more power to inflame people. And it, I was really surprised as a stand-up. I got resilience from people, you know, I've dealt in the male industry for 30 years where I've been the only woman getting up and I've walked on stage and you hear people go, I've been a woman in the front row go, oh, no, a woman. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, sister, for the support. Don't worry, I'll do the jokes, then I'll clean up. <laughs> That's what we do. But you do, you kind of cop it. And you know what, the end of the day is as women, and I think, I, I think all people, it's not just a female thing, but I think it's how we're socialised too, is... Sometimes we don't speak up enough because we're frightened of not being liked and we're frightened of stirring up trouble and having to to, to, to face it, to confront it. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's very empowering when you realise that you can do that and it, that you don't mind. Like if there was a time in my 30s, I probably would freak out if I'd copped what I've copped now. Yeah. But at 50, I really, I've, I've taken enough. I don't need the approval of people mm-hmm. who's... Um, opinions I think are abhorrent and need to change there's a narrative change that needs to happen in this country right Mm. across and I'm not gonna that goes across you know what Lois was talking about from all across you go it's finished it's done you've Mm. had your privilege your your white male privilege move over and so I don't mind now now it's quite I get I'm so excited that people are when people enter the conversation and are ready to have it again like the fact that the me too things happen the fact that everything's brought it out and people go oh can you shut up now that's enough (laughs) <laughs> that's enough. We've had harassment for about a month now. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Because it's brought new voices to the front. I hope so. Look, I'm an optimist, though. So yeah. I believe in change, you know. Yeah, I do too. You know, yeah. like as a leader in my community, yeah. you know, I stand out in front. I take, I take all the hits. Yeah. Um, you know, because I do all the groundbreaking work. After it's all done, they appreciate it because my next step is, you know, to move forward with what I'm doing um, at my camp. It's, it's just not about me. It's about putting Aboriginal culture on the ground. Um, it's about National Parks and Wildlife Service to stop stealing our identity to make money for yourselves. We need to be able to... That's a to... good slogan for uh, the local <laughs> tourism department. <laughs> What wrong you? 
Cox with What's Wrong With You. This is The Bohemian Beat and today we are featuring a recent discussion panel with prominent local Bohemians. In the panel we have Mandy Nolan, Laura Shaw, Bridget Ninas, Kian and Lois Cook. And let's continue with the final part of this open, candid and topical conversation. So just opening the discussion to the table, do you have some comments, Kian, you'd like to... Yeah, well, I've just, I mean, I was thinking about how much I play into it, you know, personally, and how much you play into what Mandy was saying about consent, and I was just thinking about my finding your voice as a woman, especially mm. Australian women, mm. I think. It took me about, till I was about 30, to, or maybe late 20s, before I started to actually realise I had a voice, mm. to 
stop being so passive because I realised kind of, um, you know, your, your part in it, I was kind of complicit to a degree because of, um, sorry, this is probably going off the subject, no, but anyway, it's, it's just a matter of um, consent and not being able to voice yourself to say no and then how long it took before I could actually voice it. And then I became a singer, and quite a singer, and then, you know, taking on producers in TV shows telling me what to do, and I'd say, well, mm. no. And, you know, just realising how, how much power I did have if I could actually voice it, but how we weren't raised that way, or I wasn't raised no, that way. So, no, generally we're not raised that way, no. are we? So it was yeah. just, it's just so much that there are so many people to take advantage of you mm. if you're not going to actually say no just be nice just be nice girl yeah. sit down and yeah. i'm just gonna climb into bed with you and fuck you so you know so many sort of like someone was talking to me talking to me yesterday because i was involved in the orange people as you probably all know but i went in at 17 you know to puna and uh i was just passing by with someone and this whole expose has come out through um someone making a documentary about the whole oregon thing and i watched it with a gasp and i just couldn't believe because I was out of it by then so I was just like whoa and that was a woman in control that had taken the yes. reins you know and I'm thinking oh, oh this is beyond gender you know this is power mm-hmm. and craziness mm-hmm. and yeah. and just you know um stupid moronic mm-hmm. behavior mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. but um just that whole thing of like just you know out of my mouth said oh yeah I was raped probably several times you know under the banner of it was allowed and I didn't have a voice. I didn't think I had a voice because it was under this banner of uh, what was permissible in this uh, group I was experimenting, being experimented on, you might say, but I was, I was in there. But anyway, just uh, how long it took me to be able to say, yeah. no, no, and, and had to look back and go, actually, I didn't give consent to, to a lot of that. You know, I was just, abused they're abused. those experiences yeah. as a young woman that are really hard i was thinking of it today because i grew up very I was, my dad died when i was six and so i had no experience of a of a, of a male figure in my life and so um, as a young girl that period from probably 16 you know when you kind of come into your real woman your your young womanness and yeah. and it's like until probably my mid-20s when you're incredibly vulnerable, so vulnerable to, and I look back and I went, there's so many cases where I had sex to get out of a situation. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, it's easier just to have sex with mm-hmm. this dude and then I'll, you know, I'll go home. Yeah. Um, or um, I had a, you know, I had a, I actually had a, when I was 16, I had a thing with a Catholic priest yeah. with a, I have been gone to the commission about that. I haven't had time. Uh, but but it was more around, when you're talking, it's not even just about the, the blurred out thing of consent. It's the blurred lines of, as a woman, of, of, of what kind of relationship you want to be in and how you're going to be treated about. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that year, that particular time frame, I think that's when mo- a lot of, rapes happen on actually women is because you're not you you're not able to like no. you don't want to upset people you don't want to and you're, you're scared to make people angry at that yeah. Yeah. age mm. or you're frightened and it's hard to find that voice i would hope that women now like i'm a very different type of woman now when i look mm. back i can't even recognize the girl yes. that couldn't do that mm. but i look back and went wow there's so many instances where 
you go, that was too far. But I didn't recognise it at the time. No. I just blocked it out and went on, pushed on. Yeah. Got through another day. Amazing what you well, blocked out. Have language <laughs> for we didn't have a language for anything. What, mm. what was considered a normal date in my youth mm. would be a date rate today. Yeah. It was just, yeah. what happened? You went, no, 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 yes, 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 no, no, no. Finally, you gave up. And that's what happened. And mm. hopefully, the young people today are given a language and given permission because no one even spoke about this when I was young. No. Mm. I mean, I was given no information about any of it. Mm. I mean, I, I once came home with makeup on because a friend's mother put it on me, and my mother slapped me across the face and called me a whore, and so I never wore makeup again. Mm. <laughs> so that was about the, the message, the only message I got. Mm. But, um, but as far as what happened with the men and, and how they, yeah, it, it, it was just how long you could hold them off. But oh, yeah, eventually you were going to give in right. unless you wanted to be known. Yeah. You know, as One of my girlfriends was afraid whatever. of that with me once. Um, I, I'd met up with the Vogue. Vogue wanted, to, wanted me to model for them at mm. one stage. And uh, I was a beautiful body, actually. Yeah, very athletic-looking woman. Mm. Um, they wanted me, but uh, what happened was while I was at the interview with them, the, the photographer made a pass at me. And I reported it to my girlfriend, who was a photographer at the time, and she was trying to promote me, you know, because mid-70s, early 70s, mm. Aboriginal models, non-existent. Mm. I didn't have a role model, you see, mm. to, to be able to face off with mm. or talk to or anything like that. Anyway, she was a white girlie, and she's a great photographer, Juno Gems, and she panicked. Mm. And then she panicked then because she was thinking about all these things that you were thinking about in those days of laws where you can't exploit Aboriginal women. You know, in any in any way, shape or form, you right. could be prosecuted for extortion, you know, of Aboriginal women, you know. So she just said to them, no, um, she's not working for you. And so there was a the big opportunity to get into what I really wanted, um, but I had to do the back step again, away because of men, mm. you know. With, yeah, they see beautiful girls, they want to yeah. be like the same, you know. Yeah. And I was only it. young, I was only just yeah. turning 18 or 19 or something, yeah. and then I ended up with the ABC and um, did some work with the ABC, uh, short films like Timeless Land, Ben Long, um, when I was 19, 15, you know, so I did stuff with, you know, uh, Chris Haywood and um, Sigourney Weaver and uh, Ryan Brown and a number of other actors in the early days. Um, but I found too that. It could quite easily, being a beautiful black woman, um, end up being exploited because they'd want to see my body more and so they'd be trying to talk me into, can you take some of your clothes off for this scene? And I, at the same time, no role model. Who, who am I, you know, who am I mentoring with? There's no one. Justine Saunders didn't come around, come around for another five or six years. You know, and uh, the stuff she did, I wouldn't even do myself because I'm an Aboriginal woman from an Aboriginal reserve. And what are people going to think about me if I started taking my clothes off on national television? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Lois, what Lois was just talking about, is the opportunities lost to women and the opportunities lost within the greater context of our, um, of our society. And that's certainly, I received so many messages from young women and older women as well after I spoke up who said, thank you, we had no boundaries. We didn't know in the workplace. And of, co of course, when you're subservient in the workplace and you need your job yeah. and you want your job. And, you know, so we kind of forged forward, you know, um, in, our, in our belief that we could, we could be there and we could do it all and we could and everything. And 
but in actual fact we were being exploited along the way. So I hope now that there are some, we're starting to get to a place where we've got some boundaries in place and, and you know, that we can speak up now and that we, you know, hopefully will move together in circles. Mm-hmm. I don't think all of this will be spoken about um, yeah, I just in think a that, public forum. Yeah. So we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> thank you, ladies. Thank you so well, thank much you. for joining us today on the Bohemian Beat. Mandy, Laura, Bridget, Lois, Gian. It has been an absolute pleasure. Yes, thank, thank you, you really. Thank you. Really. Thank you.
with Daphne, referring to a figure in Greek mythology, a female spirit associated with bodies of water, such as fountains, wells, brooks and streams. In the myth, because of her beauty, Daphne attracted the unwanted attention of the god Apollo. Daphne fled, and after pleading to her father, the river god Ladawan, and Gaia for help, was transformed into a laurel tree. And before that, in conversation with Australian legend, singer-songwriter Gian, comedian Mandy Nolan, community developer Lois Cook, poet Laura Shaw, and producer Bridget Ninas. A big thank you to the ladies for giving their time to participate in this very important conversation. And we will definitely be hearing more on this topic in the near future. Laura Shaw is the founder of Dangerously Poetic Press, an incorporated community group that promotes poetry in the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales. The following poem by Laura Shaw is called Walking the Foreshore. Walking the Foreshore. One. Foam scours the sand. The pulsing lighthouse peers through clouds like lumpy breasts hugging the hills. My sister's dead of cancer at 52. And I trod the beach in Australia, burdened by the glee of children shouting in Chicago streets more than 40 years before. I hear the grinding gears of a truck we weren't allowed to follow. Though more than once my sister joined the throng 
of leaping children in the fog of DDT. And I was dispatched to fetch her, my stubborn six-year-old sister, stomping her feet all the way home. Two. Splashing in and out of tide pools, he abruptly turns and stares. Did God make some men evil? Or do they just think they are? Cheeks pink, blue eyes fierce as only a five-year-old's can be. And I want the faith to assure him. They just think they are. Want to cast my lot in Voltaire's best of all possible. And take Kierkegaard's leap. Shut my eyes to evidence blathered in the evening news Trust, the Buddha was right. The Dharma wheel turns. As above, so below. I gape at the cold blue and wonder. Three. Clouds form a lavender mask this morning with two fiery peepholes for eyes and just above the horizon, a long slash of a mouth, streaming light. I've never stared into the face of evil, though I've read about it, and my imagination's good. I'd so much prefer to discount it. The aberration of a wounded madman, or a fool bereft of empathy, rather than cold, clear logic. I search within my cells, from fingernails to gray matter, but my imagination fails. Finally, I stop walking and lie face up in the sand, my palms at rest on my sternum, feeling my tumbling pulse. Stop and really listen to the churn of the waves their steady refrain, and now, and now, and now. You are listening to The Bohemian Beat, and that was Laura Shaw with her poem, Walking the Foreshore. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. This is all we have time for this week. Once again, I would like to thank Mandy, Gian, Bridget, Lois and Laura for being part of this week's Bohemian Beat. I would also like to thank SAE Institute and Byron Bay for use of studio space and Simon Goodwin for the recording and post-production work. If you have any comments or feedback, please drop us a line. Go to the website thebohemianbeat.com. I'll be back next week. Same beat time, same bohemian frequency for more. And we will end with a track from Gian called Life's Great If You Don't Weaken. Thank you for joining me on the Bohemian Beat. I'm ready. Life's great if you don't weaken.
Disintegrate. It could.